and have certainly found that having the CFF credential distinguishes me from some of the other experts and maybe showcases my abilities related to forensic accounting. We were able to uncover fraudulent expense reimbursements that were family trips. He also had business trips with his mistress. You're listening to Natalie Lewis, a CPA, forensic accountant, and principal with the CPA firm Wyndham Brannon in Atlanta, Georgia. Welcome to the Fraud Fighter Podcast. You don't want people to discover that you don't know everything, which is crazy because no one can go into their career knowing everything. Over time, I've realized how wonderful and beneficial it is to just be inquisitive and ask questions. I adopt the true method of being a lifelong learner. In this episode, we discuss the value of the Certified in Financial Forensics credential, how the CPA license and CFE credential differ in forensic accounting, and why asking questions is the key to development. She is a CPA, is certified in financial forensics. She is a CFE, and she is also a principal at Wyndham Brandon in Atlanta, Georgia. Natalie Lewis, welcome to the Fraud Fighter Podcast. Thank you, Robert. I appreciate it. You are a CPA in Atlanta. Why did you pursue a career in, in accounting? So I had a bit of an unusual start to my work career as I was first an entrepreneur. So my first job in high school was uh, working for a local custom framing and art gallery in my small town in North Georgia. It was between my junior and senior year of high school that the owner of the store decided that she needed to sell due to health reasons. And so I had been working there for a couple of years at that point. Loved the shop, loved the customers and the business aspect of it. And my mother was approaching retirement after having taught public school. And she had been teaching for about 30 years and was going to retire at the very young age of 52. So I decided that we need to look into purchasing the business because she didn't have any plans for retirement. I took it upon myself during that summer that I met with local banks and started looking at SBA loan and financing options. Uh I sat down with my parents and I presented the plan. And ultimately, my family ended up purchasing the framing shop. I spent my senior year of high school, I would take classes in the morning and then get out at lunchtime and go work at the business. So I managed the business. I did all the framing. I did the accounting. I actually taught myself QuickBooks, but I ended up finding my passion for accounting. When I graduated, I decided to go to UGA and get an accounting degree. So what did you do after college then? When I was at University of Georgia, that I did two internships in forensic accounting, and they were with the same firm, loved the internships in forensic accounting. When I graduated, I went full-time with that firm, and I wanted to get some audit experience, so I ended up going in the audit department. But that was a little short-lived as the forensic group got some large matters and I got permanently transferred back down to forensics uh, where I spent the rest of my time and I've been doing forensic accounting ever since. Literally went from college straight into forensic accounting. I did, yes. I think I had one busy season as an auditor. Is that something that you would recommend to people or is that something that you wish you had done differently? I knew that I enjoyed forensic accounting and that ultimately that was what I wanted to do. But it was quite unusual 
to have that career path as a forensic accountant. And I think in hindsight, I wish I had had more audit experience because I think it's a great foundation for what we do as forensic accountants. It's unusual to go straight from college into forensic accounting. And I don't know personally that I would recommend that career path. I, to me, it's just very narrow to go into that niche immediately. That's just me. That's just my personal yes. opinion. <laughs> I think auditing, compilations, tax returns, you know, all that, you know, the general mundane grunt stuff that everybody has to do, that's really a good foundation before you start specializing in that thing. But that's just, like I said, that's just me. I I was just curious if you would do that over again like that. That's all. I think I would choose differently. It certainly afforded me a lot of interesting opportunities on different cases throughout the years. If I were advising someone getting into this, I would recommend that they spend more time either as an auditor or doing some other accounting functions to get to know the various aspects um, before transferring into forensic accounting. Starting off in accounting, what credentials did you start to obtain? So you got a BS degree in accounting. What else did you get? So while I was working full-time, I got my MBA with a focus in accounting, and I also set for the CPA exam, so I am licensed in the state of Georgia as a CPA. And then after that, I got my CFE as a Certified Fraud Examiner with the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners. In 2015, received my CFF credential with the AICPA, which is Certified in Financial Forensics. Is that the path that you recommend from people who want to get into forensic accounting? The reason why I'm asking is I got the BS degree. You got to have that. The master's degree definitely helps. CPA license What do you think about the CPA license compared to the CFE? For me, I felt like the CPA was one that holds a lot of value for what we do. Now, if someone wants to specialize in forensic accounting, I would say that the CFE is valuable for that. But I felt like the CPA was kind of a given that I needed to have that under my belt and looks adds a level of experience and wherewithal to meet with my clients and discuss some of these accounting matters by knowing that I'm a certified public accountant. The CPA license just smooths the road for you, opens up the door, you can get to the table and, and sell your skill set. Everybody knows what a CPA is, but not everybody knows what a CFE is. And also from the billing standpoint, CPA can you can bill a lot higher rate than you would just, oh, I just got a CFE at just people like, well, what's that? Even though you can probably still do a job, the CPA just seems to be uh, the feather in the cap that everybody respects. I would agree. I know of other forensic accountants that have gotten passed over for certain jobs if they did not have their CPA, that sometimes a client felt that that was a credential they wanted their expert to have whether it would be more beneficial if they were a testifying expert in presenting themselves to the trier of fact. The people in the jury box and the judge all know what a CPA does. They respect the credentials. So why did you get the CFF? The CFF is what? And who issues the CFF? The CFF credential is certified in financial forensics, and it's issued by the AICPA. Well, I decided to pursue this credential to help bolster my experience and qualifications. Mm -hmm. And I've certainly found that having the CFF credential distinguishes me from some of the other experts and maybe showcases my abilities related to forensic accounting and having that credential issued by the AICPA. 
I have my CPA. I know what the test is like taught at a university. I understand accounting and auditing and all that, you know, all that type of stuff. What does the CFF test on that's different than the CPA exam? What kind of questions are, do they even ask to become a CFF? Well, it's actually undergoing some changes with AICPA to be more globally focused. So there is that change that people should be aware of right now. Now, a lot of the basics are going to stay the same. The experience requirement for business experience, the education requirement, all that stays the same. Um, what's going to change is that some of the exam topics and questions will be more globally focused. And so they're asked questions related to the career path for forensic accountants, whether you're specializing in possible marital disputes or other family law areas, maybe you're looking into bankruptcy or other forensic areas related to restructuring or providing services in that manner. You also have um, topics related to information technology, and information gathering, and also interviewing skills. So it's very focused related to forensic accountants in some of the areas of specialty. So how is that different than the CFE credential itself? The CFE is more related to fraud specific versus looking at all areas of forensic accounting, such as being a court-appointed examiner in a bankruptcy matter. You know, mm -hmm. that would be focused on the CFF. And then also, there will be some overlap. Interviewing would be covered under both the CFE as well as the CFF. But I think it's just a little bit different focus when you're looking at being a certified fraud examiner. It's going to focus more on fraud versus the general forensic accounting profession. Is the CFF more ratio driven? Like you got to know this ratio and that ratio. You know how it is. It, it, with the CPA exam, you know, what's the quick ratio? What's this ratio? And, and you can, or the gross profit analysis. Is the CFF similar to that to where they just, you have to memorize ratios and, you know, how to do the net worth method of proof and that type of thing? It's going to be more focused on the specific areas. So let's say that you are looking at interviewing. They may discuss different interviewing techniques. If you're looking at information technology, it's going to be kind of covering some of the steps that you need to be aware of, whether it's a chain of custody and certain situations that you may find yourself in as a forensic accountant and making sure that you're aware of procedures and then also some of the guidelines. And so there's certain content that is covered on the AICPA's website that will lay out some of that information. We are, can say we, I'm helping with this process to go through the content and make sure that it is globally focused. So right now there have been three pathways and that's going to change and become one. What do you mean by three pathways? Previously, there was the standard like legacy pathway. Then there was a certificate pathway, and then there was a CPA Canada pathway. So now those are merging, and they're going to be phased out and replaced by one unified, globally-oriented CFF exam. That process is being conducted right now, and we're working through some of that. So the CFF credential is an extra step that someone can take after getting the CPA license? That's correct. So in order to meet the requirements for the credential, a person must be a CPA with a valid and unrevoked CPA license. Mm -hmm. You then have to meet the business experience. So you have to have a minimum of a thousand hours of business experience in forensic accounting. 
and that's within the last five-year period. And then you also have to have at least 75 hours of forensic accounting related continuing education obtained within the last five-year period. And so once you have those, then you complete the exam. The exam for this is a four-hour exam, and then you would complete the credential application. And how long does it usually take to do the CFF to from start to finish? I know a CPA exam was like six months, a year. It could be a year and a half to, to, to really pass it and get everything done. What's it like with the CFF credential? It's been several years since I took the exam, how long it took me. But I think it depends on the, the level of experience someone already has with the profession. Mm-hmm. If someone's been doing this for a long time, then obviously the material is going to be almost second nature to them that taking the exams more the time commitment versus necessarily studying for it. They have a list of content covered on the exam listed on the AICPA's website. And I think making sure you're familiar with the content, but at that point, it's just more scheduling and sitting down and taking the four-hour exam. Is the exam proctored? When I took this AICPA license exam oh, decades ago, you literally went to a fairground and had a bunch of tables and just two people to a table and that's it. I mean, and then you, you get your piece of paper and your pencil and they give you a calculator and say, go to it. Is that similar to how the exam is given now? Or is it like remote? It's either proctored remote or you can go to one of the testing centers okay. that they have worldwide. There is the option for remote, I believe. And then when I took it years ago, there was a testing center in Atlanta that I went to. And for four hours, I sat there at a computer and took the exam. Gotcha. Multiple choice? Yes. Multiple guess? Yep. <laughs> yes, exactly. I don't recall any essays. There were no uh, simulations like the CPA exam or anything like that that I recall. Granted, uh, we're still working through the exam, just kind of content to make it the global focus. But when I took it, I believe it was all multiple choice. So in order to get more information regarding the CFF, they had to go to the AICPA? Website? That's correct. Okay. Yes. We'll put that in the show notes. So how long have you been have you been doing forensic accounting? I guess close to fifteen years now. And it has flown by and in comparison to some of my peers, that's not that long. It's been a great experience and I can't imagine doing anything else. I love what I do. Is it always been in the Atlanta, Georgia area? It has. Though so I did have the opportunity. Uh, I had a job offer from a global company to uh, join their team in San Francisco. And, you know, I often look back and wonder what life would be like had I chosen that. But no, I stuck around Atlanta where family is and always been here. Forensic accounting is, is a niche. It's a niche of you know, accounting in general. And I don't know what it's like in the professional world. Is it common to get like phone calls from other agencies or other go- companies going, hey, we, we want you to come up with us? Or is that something where you have to go, you have to actively go seek it or people seek you? I think it goes through phases. I mean, right now, it, I think everyone's got a need. And so it's not uncommon for me to get emails going, hey, we've got this, I'm a recruiter and we've got this need. Would you be interested in hearing the opportunity? What is the most interesting case you worked on so far? Oh, man. Well, Robert, I'm sure with what you do as well, you've probably got several in your mind that you can probably think of that you find some aspect of every case that is somewhat interesting. But I think for me, there's a couple that stick out. I spent much of my career with global consulting firm Alvarez and Marsal. And when I was there, 
we were part of an investigation team for a large casino and hospitality mm -hmm. organization. And it was fascinating. We had a team of like 40 people working for a year on this. And it was one that long, grueling hours, but at the end of the project, you look back and you're proud of the work that you completed for that. But then just more on a level of enjoying the work, there was an engagement which was a litigation matter. It was related to a dispute with a um, manufacturing company and its former CEO. And he was seeking his golden parachute after having been terminated. And it was to the tune of $60 million. And he ended up only getting about a quarter of that related to, um, due to our investigation and analysis, we were able to uncover fraudulent expense reimbursements that he had submitted and been reimbursed for that were family trips uh, to Israel for like $60,000 the company reimbursed him. And in emails, we were able to show counsel that he was quoted saying it was like a belated wedding present to his daughter and son-in-law. So he had those. He also had business trips with his mistress that came to light, as well as some other bad acts. It was a fascinating case of just going through various types of documents and compiling those for our client. And I'm assuming that you are working for the the law firm that was hired by the corporation to do this investigation. That's, that's, that's correct. That's how it works out. If someone was interested in forensic accounting, somebody says, you know, this is what I want to do. I enjoy this type of work. And it seems to me that, especially in the forensic accounting space, there's no direct line to go from A to B. Usually you have to pay your dues. And if someone was interested in forensic accounting, what would you recommend? I think if someone was already working at a CPA or consulting firm that offers forensic accounting, I would definitely recommend that they befriend some professionals in that practice and let them know that they would like to explore that field of accounting. I know for me at my firm, we are a full service accounting firm. We have audit, tax, and various areas of advisory. And I have individuals in the firm who've expressed interest in forensic accounting. We sometimes get projects that require additional help. So we reach out to those colleagues and other groups. They're able to get a taste of the work that we do. Another recommendation would be for individuals interested in forensic accounting, I would highly recommend they attend local ACFE chapter meetings and events. This is the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners. And there is a local chapter for which I'm a member of, and they hold monthly meetings. I'm sure for some of our viewers who are interested in forensic accounting, they likely have a chapter in their area. And this is a way for them not only to get great training in forensic accounting and fraud, but also wonderful opportunities to network with fellow fraud investigators. You never know where those connections will come in handy. What about someone who is not just there yet, maybe in high school or college, would your recommendations change any? Certainly. So if, if they're in college, they can obviously still attend those meetings. It is open to students in college. As far as someone in high school, get to know people in accounting firms. Likely they have a forensic area. You can do a Google search and find out forensic accountants in your area. Reach out to them. I know for myself, if I have anyone reach out, I'm more than happy to let them meet with them for lunch or coffee, let them get to know more about what we do in case they have an interest in pursuing that career. Are there any resources or training that have helped you 
along your journey? You've been a forensic accountant for how long now? 12 or 13 years now, maybe longer. I'm trying to remember. The time has escaped me. 2008 or so, I started doing forensic accounting. So what resources or training have helped you? I have been hooked on some open source intelligence webinars and specifically uh, Cynthia Hetherington's webinars. Um, Mm -hmm. She's got the Hetherington's group. For some of my fraud investigations, I combine my research on the alleged perpetrators with public searches and open source intelligence. And I have found her webinars and materials quite helpful in becoming more efficient in my research So for anyone listening, if they haven't attended any, definitely check them out. I would recommend that. OSINT, O-S-I-N-T, is short for open source intelligence. It's more or less Googling people and figuring out where they live and assets and that type of thing. It's fascinating. Great information that you can have to enhance your fraud investigation. I had a situation in one of my investigations years ago where it was supposedly one of those romance schemes, right? I was trying to find, oh, here's a picture of my boyfriend, girlfriend type of thing, right? I'm trying to figure out who this person was. And so there was a reverse search that you can do on pictures to find out if this picture was anywhere else on the internet that may have been classified by Google. And it's pretty interesting that I did find the picture. It may may or not be the same person, don't get me wrong, but it's at least a, a lead where you have a picture and now you can do a reverse search and figure out who actually was out there you know, with the same picture. What do you wish you'd known before you started? So when I first got started, I think this happens for a lot of people as they're getting started in their professional career, that you are nervous to ask questions. You don't want people to discover that you don't know everything, which is crazy because no one can go into their career knowing everything. I adopt the true method of being a lifelong learner, whether it's, as we just discussed, open source intelligence or anything. So over time, I've realized how wonderful and beneficial it is to just be inquisitive and ask questions, especially as a forensic accountant. As I'm doing my investigations or it's a litigation support project, having interviews and asking questions is key. I would recommend for anyone, don't be scared to ask questions. Just continue to learn as much as you can. Looking back on your career, what was the biggest mistake or lost opportunity? You've only been in this career for 13 years. Is there anything else that you would change or do differently? You know, I think not to get too philosophical, but I think everything happens for a reason and situations of people you encounter. You never know where that's going to lead to for your career or your personal life. And I had a job offer to join a global consulting firm out in their San Francisco office. And do look back, my husband and I love Northern California and wonder what life would be like had we uprooted and moved to Northern California then. You know, more than 10 years later, we have established our careers in Atlanta and have our family here. So don't know that it's a regret, but certainly something I look back on and wonder what life would have been like then. You ready for the final four questions? Sure. You've been a forensic accountant now for about 13 years or so. What is your biggest motivation now? little cliche. Um, my kids, obviously. Um, I've got a six-year-old son and a one-year-old son, and I want to show them that work can be fun. It's not always something that you dread on Monday morning to go into the office and get back to work after the weekend. I love what I do and want to show them that you can have a family and have a successful profession as well. And so another part of that is I'm my own personal motivator that I am complete self 
professed type A personality, but I'm married to an engineer who's also type A. And so we uh, have a spreadsheet for everything. And I boy, there's no gray areas in that life, is there? It's either <laughs> no. black or white. <laughs> <laughs> so we, um, I think we're our hardest critics, you know, is ourself. I know for myself, that's certainly true. Let's hope your kid does not become an artist. That's going to be that's going to be tough growing one of those up in that, in that household. Oh, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> we um, we joked that with each of us being Type A, he was going to be Type A squared. Our first is certainly living up, or to maybe that. even cubed. <laughs> All right. What book or books have changed your life or thinking? I tend to do a lot of reading for personal pleasure, not quite so much on the business aspects, but I read a book about a year ago that a partner of mine recommended, and it was Trey Gowdy's book, Doesn't Hurt to Ask. And he talks all about his fascinating background, you know, as an attorney, but then also in politics and how communicating and persuading others is crucial in life. And I think our work as forensic accountants require us to communicate so much more than people expect. I mean, you can't be the introverted accountant sitting in a closet doing what we do. You have to conduct interviews and have meetings with the clients and our attorneys. Then there's also communicating and written report. And you have to be persuasive, not necessarily an advocate for your client, but an advocate for your opinion. And so his book, I thought, was very insightful. Share something that you've purchased in the last 12 months, less than 100 hours, that you enjoyed or made your job easier. What would that be? Honestly, I'm going to go back to Cynthia Hetherington's webinars. I mean, they were, I think they were like $85 a webinar. But the material that you come away with and the list of databases and other research tips have been invaluable for my work. And how long was that webinar? It's an hour, but she does them monthly. And this isn't trying to be some solicitation for sure. her, but I have truly benefited from participating in those webinars. If you had to do something else, you lost your CPA license and they said, there's the door, what would you be doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. As type A as I am, I do enjoy the more artistic and you know enjoyable task in life. And that includes, I've painted ever since I was a kid. I took art lessons and I've always had a love for art. So I do have that side of myself. I enjoy gardening as well. So I think I would try to incorporate gardening into it in some manner. You'd make a career as a gardener? I might. Who knows? Try to have a little bit more artistic fun in my life than uh, just accounting. Well, Natalie, thank you so much for your time on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. And thank you so much for sharing your journey and your CFF credential. Thanks, Robert. Appreciate it. 